Poetry Challenges with David Morley, Director of the Warwick Writing Programme. Welcome to Poetry Challenges. This episode is called Volcano and Diamonds. It's about you becoming a kind of poetry volcano, blasting out lots of rubbish, but also a few diamonds, a few fantastic poems. Now, you can write poems in form and poems in free verse, and many variants between. You can write poems that are confessional and poems that are cold-eyed. You can write poems that tell stories and poems that lock onto one object and express it to its very atoms. Your task is to find the poems you want to write, the ones you are capable of writing well. And if you want to become a poet rather than a writer of poems, to find poems which nobody else could compose. A volcano explodes tons of ash and waste onto its flanks, but the process might yield diamonds among the scree. You read a lot of poetry to develop your discrimination. Veracity shapes. It does not narrow taste. If you possess received ideas about poetry, try unlearning them by reading more poems, and also reading poems in translation. There are many species of poem. Christmas carols, nursery rhymes, some forms of prayer, leader, prose poetry, the blues, and concrete verse. All these are different and highly colourful species of poetry. There are even poems that look like paintings, some of which are sculptures in gardens, or which exist solely in electronic form. Reading, reading aloud, and memorising poetry will help you discriminate between poems that work and those that do not, and you can then exercise that discrimination on your own work. The best advice, as the poet Denise Levitov might have said, is to read until you waken. You may then feel compelled to reproduce your first excitements about poetry within your own work, since it appears a wholly natural progression that readers who are awakened in this way by poetry wish to try writing it. Therefore, make a habit of reading at least five poems every day and make time for them. And I do not mean five haiku. As you begin to get comfortable, begin reading whole collections at one sitting and then try to read the entire output of one poet over a week. Many contemporary poets limit their literary awareness by only reading other contemporary poets, a circling and encircling strategy offering low possibilities. Read backwards in time and across languages. When seeking models for style and diction, try to be broader in your reading than poetry. Some fiction writers read poems in order to gain a sense of the compressed sonic mathematics possible in language. You could even find found poetry in some very peculiar prose, such as museum labels or office memos. Good fictional prose can also present you with ideas and language for poems. The best prose can be read as another type of poetry. As the poet Robert Lowell commented, I felt that the best style of poetry was none of the many poetic styles in English, 
but something like the prose of Chekhov or Flaubert. Qualities you can borrow will include a sense for narrative and character, but you can also learn to relax and to pace some of the tension in your lines by sensing and seeing how a paragraph of good prose might work as lines of a poem. Writing poems requires a similar excess of exposure in order to create discrimination. Once again, a volcano vomits sky-high showers of ash, but there may be a small amount of diamonds scorched into being. In the same way, you will probably write a lot of poetry to get a little. For example, I'm going to read a poem by Donald Hall called Exile, and I'm going to read it with its footnote. Exile. A boy who played and talked and read with me fell from a maple tree. I loved her, but I told her I did not, and wept, and then forgot. I walked the streets where I was born and grew, and all the streets were new. And this is the footnote. Many versions of this poem exist. Compare this with a much longer one, written earlier, but published later, in Donald Hall's 1990 Old and New Poems. As you can hear, the footnote is longer than the poem. These six lines of the poem Exile emerge from many drafts and from much longer versions of this poem. Imagine the ash and scorched earth of language around these six diamond-hard lines. Nowhere is the editor's razor sharper and more frequently in use than in rewriting poetry. When that razor is not applied, the result can be shovel-loads of scree and ash. Think of the scholarly editions of the complete works of any major poet and the diamond-to-ash ratio in them. Yet, weak, leaden, or plodden poetry is the path to good writing, even though the ratio between them might seem horrendous at first. Here is your poetry challenge. A powerful short poem, even one as elliptical as exile, is worth a hundred or a thousand diluted long poems. Many beginning poets do not like to revise their work in the belief that the first thought is the best thought. This drastic exercise in deletion and discrimination will teach you to distance yourself from your draft poems and regard them as potential rather than final. Try and play this game every week in order to generate material and ideas for short poems. Now are you ready? Think about an experience that is lodged in your memory. Possibly a childhood event that caused you some pain or which matured your view of yourself. Make rapid notes in prose in your notebook, probably covering about five pages Using these notes as a starting point, begin writing about this experience from the first person point of view, using the word I 
break the narrative into rough lines. Now, write this draft poem continuously for about two hours, or until you've written at least 150 lines. Then place this draft poem in a drawer for three weeks. Then read it through. And then, after those three weeks, I want you to take that 150-line poem and cut it to five lines only. Discard the rest of the poem. There may be little connection between these final five lines, but try giving it a clear title, and a resonant connection will become clear. Thank you for listening.